0: Chapter fifteen of the Mayflower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The May Flower and Miscellaneous Writings by Harriet Beecher Stowe. Chapter 15 Conversation on Conversation For every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. A very solemn sermon, said Miss B, shaking her head impressively as she sat down to table on Sunday noon. Then, giving a deep sigh, she added i am afraid that if an account is to be rendered for all our idle words some people will have a great deal to answer for why cousin anna replied a sprightly young lady opposite what do you mean by idle words all words that have not a strictly useful tendency helen replied miss b i don't know what is to become of me then answered helen for i never can think of anything useful to say i sit and try sometimes but it always stops my talking i don't think anything in the world is so doleful as a set of persons sitting around all trying to say something useful like a parcel of old clocks ticking at each other i think one might as well take the vow of entire silence like the monks of la Trappe it is probable said miss b that a greater part of our ordinary conversation had better be dispensed with in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin for my own part my conscience often reproaches me with the sins of my tongue i'm sure you don't sin much that way i must say said helen but cousin i really think it is a freezing business sitting still and reflecting all the time when friends are together and after all i can't bring myself to feel as if it were wrong to talk and chatter away a good part of the time just for the sake of talking For instance, if a friend comes in of a morning to make a call, I talk about the weather, my roses, my canary birds, or anything that comes uppermost. And about lace and bonnet patterns and the latest fashions, added Miss B sarcastically. Well, supposing we do, where's the harm? Where's the good? said Miss B the good why it passes time agreeably and makes us feel kindly towards each other i think helen said miss b if you had a higher view of christian responsibility you would not be satisfied with merely passing time agreeably or exciting agreeable feelings in others Does not the very text we are speaking of show that we have an account to give in the Day of Judgment for all this trifling, useless conversation? I don't know what that text does mean, replied Helen, looking seriously, but if it means as you say, I think it is a very hard, straight rule. Well, replied Miss B, is not duty always hard and straight? straight is the gate and narrow is the way you know helen sighed what do you think of this uncle c she said after some pause the uncle of the two young ladies had been listening thus far in silence i think he replied that before people begin to discuss they should be quite sure as to what they are talking about and i am not exactly clear in this case you say anna said he turning to miss b that all conversation is idle which has not a directly useful tendency now what do you mean by that are we never to say anything that has not for its direct and specific object to benefit others or ourselves ''Yes,'' replied Miss B. I suppose not.'' ''Well, then, when I say good morning, sir, tis a pleasant day, I have no such object. Are these then idle words?'' ''Why, no, not exactly,'' replied Miss B. ''In some cases it is necessary to say something so as not to appear rude.'' ''Very well.'' replied her uncle you admit then that some things which are not instructive in themselves considered are to be said to keep up the intercourse of society certainly some things said miss b well now in the case mentioned by helen when two or three people with whom you are in different degrees of intimacy call upon you I think she is perfectly right as she said in talking of roses and canary birds and even of bonnet patterns and lace or anything of the kind for the sake of making conversation it amounts to the same thing as good morning and good evening and the other courtesies of society this sort of small talk has nothing instructive in it and yet it may be useful in its place It makes people comfortable and easy promotes kind and social feelings and making people comfortable by any innocent means is certainly not a thing to be despised but is there not great danger of becoming light and trifling if one allows this said miss b doubtfully to be sure there is always danger of running every innocent thing to excess one might eat to excess, or drink to excess, yet eating and drinking are both useful in their way. Now our lively young friend Helen here might perhaps be in some temptation of this sort, but as for you, Anna, I think you in more danger of another extreme. "'And what is that?' of overstraining your mind by endeavoring to keep up a constant fixed state of seriousness and solemnity and not allowing yourself the relaxation necessary to preserve its healthy tone in order to be healthy every mind must have variety and amusement and if you would sit down at least one hour a day and join your friends in some amusing conversation and indulge in a good laugh i think my dear that you would not only be a happier person but a better christian my dear uncle said miss b this is the very thing that i have been most on my guard against i can never tell stories or laugh and joke without feeling condemned for it afterwards but my dear you must do the thing in the testimony of a good conscience before you can do it to any purpose you must make up your mind that cheerful and entertaining conversation conversation whose first object is to amuse is useful conversation in its place and then your conscience will not be injured by joining in it but what good does it do uncle do you not often complain of coldness and deadness in your religious feelings of lifelessness and want of interest yes uncle well this coldness and lifelessness is a result of forcing your mind to one set of thoughts and feelings you become worn out your feelings exhausted deadness and depression ensues now turn your mind off from these subjects divert it by a cheerful and animated conversation and you will find after a while that it will return to them with new life and energy but are not foolish talking and jesting expressly forbidden that text if you will look at the connections does not forbid jesting in the abstract but jesting on immodest subjects which are often designated in the new testament by the phraseology there employed i should give the sense of it neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor indelicate jests the kind of sprightly and amusing conversation to which i referred i should not denominate foolish by any means at proper times and places yet people often speak of gaiety as inconsistent in christians even worldly people said miss b yes because in the first place they often have wrong ideas as to what christianity requires in this respect and suppose christians to be violating their own principles and indulging in it in the second place there are some especially among young people who never talk in any other way with whom this kind of conversation is not an amusement but a habit giving the impression that they never think seriously at all but i think that if persons are really possessed by the tender affectionate benevolent spirit of christianity if they regulate their temper and their tongue by it and in all their actions show an evident effort to conform to its precepts they will not do harm by occasionally indulging in sprightly and amusing conversation they will not make the impression that they are not sincerely christians besides said helen are not people sometimes repelled from religion by a want of cheerfulness in its professors certainly replied her uncle and the difference is just this if a person is habitually trifling and thoughtless it is thought that they have no religion if they are ascetic and gloomy it is attributed to their religion and you know what miss e smith says that to be good and disagreeable is high treason against virtue the more sincerely and earnestly religious a person is the more important it is that they should be agreeable but uncle said helen what does that text mean that we began with what are idle words my dear if you will turn to the place where the passage is matthew twelve and read the whole page you will see the meaning of it Christ was not reproving anybody for trifling conversation at the time, but for a very serious slander. The Pharisees, in their bitterness, accused him of being in league with evil spirits. It seems, by what follows, that this was a charge which involved an unpardonable sin. They were not, indeed, conscious of its full guilt. They said it merely from the impulse of excited and envious feeling but he warns them that in the day of judgment God will hold them accountable for the full consequences of all such language, however little they may have thought of it at the time of uttering it. The sense of the passage I take to be God will hold you responsible in the day of judgment for the consequences of all you have said in your most idle and thoughtless moments. For example, said Helen, if one makes unguarded and unfounded assertions about the bible which excite doubt and prejudice there are many instances said her uncle that are quite in point suppose in conversation either under the influence of envy or ill-will or merely from love of talking you make remarks and statements about another person which may be true or may not you do not stop to inquire Your unguarded words set reports in motion, and unhappiness and hard feeling and loss of character are the result. You spoke idly, it is true, but nevertheless you are held responsible by God for all the consequences of your words. So professors of religion often make unguarded remarks about each other, which lead observers to doubt the truth of all religion and they are responsible for every such doubt they excite parents and guardians often allow themselves to speak of the faults and weaknesses of their ministers in the presence of children and younger people they do it thoughtlessly but in so doing they destroy an influence which might otherwise have saved the souls of their children they are responsible for it people of cultivated minds and fastidious taste often allow themselves to come home from church and criticise a sermon and unfold all its weak points in the presence of others on whom it may have made a very serious impression while the critic is holding up the bad arrangement and setting in a ludicrous point of view the lame figure is perhaps the servant behind his chair who was almost persuaded to be a christian by that very discourse gives up his purposes in losing his respect for the sermon this was thoughtless but the evil is done and the man who did it is responsible for it i think said helen That a great deal of evil is done to children in this way by our not thinking of what we are saying. It seems to me, said Miss B, that this view of the subject will reduce us to silence almost as much as the other. How is one ever to estimate the consequences of their words? People are affected in so many different ways by the same thing. I suppose, said her uncle, we are only responsible for such results as by carefulness and reflection we might have foreseen it is not for ill-judged words but for idle words that we are to be judged words uttered without any consideration at all and producing bad results if a person really anxious to do right misjudges as to the probable effect of what he is about to say on others it is quite another thing uncle will not such carefulness destroy all freedom in conversation said helen if you are talking with a beloved friend helen do you not use an instinctive care to avoid all that might pain that friend certainly and do you find this effort a restraint on your enjoyment certainly not and you from your own feelings avoid what is indelicate and impure in conversation and yet feel it no restraint certainly well i suppose the object of christian effort should be so to realize the character of our saviour and conform our tastes and sympathies to his that we shall instinctively avoid all in our conversation that would be displeasing to him a person habitually indulging jealous angry or revengeful feeling a person habitually worldly in his spirit a person allowing himself in skeptical and unsettled habits of thought cannot talk without doing harm this is our saviour's account of the matter in the verses immediately before the passage we were speaking of how can ye being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth evil things the highest flow of animal spirits would never hurry a pure-minded person to say anything indelicate or gross and in the same manner if a person is habitually christian in all his habits of thought and feeling he will be able without irksome watchfulness to avoid what may be injurious even in the most unrestrained conversation End of chapter 15